Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Allison Park Leadership Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, as always. My name is Dave. And my name is Jeff. And of course, we are together uh, on the staff at Allison Park Church. I'm the lead pastor. Dave is the campus pastor at the Northside Campus. And we're also father and son. And we're glad you've joined us for this episode. Absolutely. Yeah. And as always, we just want to give a special thanks to those of you who are faithful listeners who have who have given a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, that helps us to spread the word about what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, and so this week, we want to say thanks to Jeremiah Stoddard. Thank you for your review. All the way from Africa. Come All on, the way Jeremiah. from wherever he is in the world. Yeah, one of the <laughs> graduates of Allison Park Leadership Academy. Yeah. Uh, and doing some great things in the world in in uh, with with SOS Adventure Office, equipping people through. Yeah. I think he's doing Book of Acts training camps. And I believe things. so. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Yeah, we're we're giving him an extra big shout. Come out today on, yeah. He had his name so on who this. knows if you leave us a review, we may <laughs> brag on you on a podcast. We might. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but yeah, as always, we just want to say thank you for, for being a part of this. Thanks for listening. And um, so today we're going to be jumping into an episode. I don't know that we've ever done this before. Or I've never, never even heard of this being a thing, but we are doing a podcast episode on something that you have as a book concept that yeah. you haven't written yet. So you are not allowed. Don't steal this. Yes, this is, we will now mark this down as a copyright moment. Yeah. So, so I've actually for a long time thought about writing a book about what is typically called the fivefold ministry. So in Ephesians chapter four, verses 11 and 12 uh, is described the five ministry gifts that are given to the church, apostle, prophet, evangelist, uh, pastor, teacher, mm-hmm. those five. And of those five, two tend to be a little bit controversial. And so I, my book title, at least the working title, uh, it's eventually is apostles and prophets and other forbidden words and phrases. Mm-hmm because apostles and prophets are oftentimes uh, topics that, like if you even use the word in a discussion about maybe we should have more apostolic leaders, or maybe we need the more of the release of the prophetic, there are people in the room that start to squirm in some conversations because they're like, I don't know if we should go there because I've been a part of movements in the past where that has caused problems. Okay. So, so if, that's why I say forbidden words and phrases. And if you're not, if, again, if you're not, maybe you're, like your reaction to that is like, what the heck? Yeah. You know, even, even me, I think that's why it was intriguing. Yeah. You're like, you asked me like even today, like, is this an interesting topic for you? And I was like, well, yeah. Because like, why is it forbidden? Like, I mean, even just saying like it makes people uncomfortable. Like my natural reaction is like, why? Yeah. Because like, you know, my understanding, we'll get a lot more into this, but the overview is that these are five different sort of church leadership positions that are given to help to release the body of Christ as a whole yeah. to do the work of ministry. Yeah, and maybe but there are it, a few of them that you're saying like, are, it's almost like a banned book list. Like don't read this yeah, one. Exactly. Like, it is. Amazon Censor that. Sell it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So depending upon what church background you're from, you might think of those who lead the church and, and use the word priest or bishop or archbishop. Sure. Right. Or you might use the word, you know, in the streams that we swim in, so Pentecostal charismatic, and of course, we're a part of the Assemblies of God. Almost everybody who's in church leadership is called pastor. Yep. Even if their function is not pastor, it's like that becomes the the, um, the title that we carry. Pastor so Jeff, down, Pastor Dave, right? What does that mean if your function isn't pastor? <laughs> I think we probably have to, have to go just read the scripture real quick, and then we can... Why don't we just read that, and then we'll talk about what pastor actually means. Is that okay? Yeah, okay. So I can quote it. Ephesians chapter 4, if you want to go there, verses 11 and 12. And it says, and God gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers to equip God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ can be built up. 
So there are five gifts that are mentioned. All are designed to be individuals given to the church as a gift to the church to help them to become everything God wants them to be. So a local church body has gifts that God has given. Okay, so like what you and I are supposed to function as is I'm supposed to be a gift to Allison Park Church in general, and you're supposed to be a gift to the Northside campus. And if we do our job well, the gifting that we employ is to help other people recognize what God has put in them, what gift he's placed in their life, what call he's placed on their life, and then to train them and encourage them and coach them and release them so that they can do the work that God's called them to do. Because ministry was never d designed to be a spectator sport where you come in to a room and you watch someone else on the stage perform and you say, thank you, that was wonderful, I received that, and then go on your way. Ministry is designed to be an entire body activity where Jesus is the head of the church and each one of us are members of the body, a hand, a foot, an arm, a leg, an eye, an ear, doing what God's called us to do. And no one person contains all of the potential and capacity for ministry. The way the body of Christ on earth is to, to function is we together collectively are the representation of Jesus on earth. And when all of us are at work to do what God's called us to do, it's only then that the body fulfills its fullest potential. So those five gifts are individuals God gives to us to help the body function the way that we're supposed to function. Okay, so one of those gifts is pastor. Yeah, one of those and gifts. So, so if, I can, if I can ask a question. Yeah, go for that. it, yeah. So almost we've substituted the word pastor for reverend or minister. Yeah, right, so exactly. So it used to be like, or bishop, because it's like, well, there are certain titles, or priest, and it's like, oh, this is somebody who does ministry in a sort of governance or leadership capacity yeah. for the rest of the church. But we say pastor, and we just sort of mean minister. We mean their vocation right. or their role within the church. Whereas so, it's actually a specific type of thing. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's a sp pastor is not just a title, it's a function. Okay. Yeah. So why don't we talk about some of those functions before we get into the forbidden ones? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay. So I think real simple, and I, I just think, okay, if I'm supposed to equip the body of Christ, what am I supposed to equip them to do? So real simple. The teacher is a gift given to the church to help people learn more or, or, or know more about how to study the Word so that they can learn more. Specifically, teacher is a teacher of the Word of God. Teacher of the Word, right, Great. exactly. Not school teacher or a math teacher, but actually someone that is going to help instruct you in the way to follow Christ out of the Scriptures. Great. Okay. Pastor is there to help us care more because mm -hmm. the pastor, that word is the same as shepherd. So it's there, someone who's caring for the sheep and helping the, the, the sheep or the people of God to care for one another. So teacher, learn more. Pastor, care more. Evangelist is to win more. So the evangelist is there to help equip us to figure out ways to reach people that don't know Jesus so that we are winning people to Jesus ourselves. A lot of times evangelists are often traveling revivalists. They come in to sort of challenge the church. That's how we use the term today. But really, the evangelist as a gift to the church is to help people win their friends and family to Christ. Now the two forbidden ones, Ooh. right? Here we go. Prophet is designed to help us see or hear more. Mm. So see what God is, is leading us into or hear what God is saying to us right now. So it isn't just the prophet comes and prophesies to us, but creates or cultivates an atmosphere in which we are more tuned, our antennas are up to hear uh, and sense what God is saying in the now of our, of our life. And then the apostle is one designed just to mobilize more or to send more. 
and uh, apostles are there to break into new territory and to break down walls and to break into the miraculous and to help the other four of those fivefold, as well as the body of Christ, be sent into their destiny, to sent into new territory. Um, so apostolos means the, the sent ones. And so apostolic is, is those who mobilize or send. What were you just more. quoting there when you said that? What's that word, apostolos? Well, that's the Greek word for apostle. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, so um, every one of them designed to help. So if, if all five are functioning, we're learning more, we're caring more, we're winning more, we're hearing more, and we're mobilized more to do what God has called us to do and to take the territory God wants us to take, which then makes the whole body function well. And every local church needs to have the flow of those five gifts in them in order for it to meet it, that local church to meet its fullest potential, or else there'll be something that will be missing from the framework. Right. So, but the two controversial ones are controversial because with them, they tend to carry the sense of an office with, with authority. Mm. So apostles and prophets function in an authoritative way. And because that's the case, uh, that authority, if not used properly and with humility, can become abusive. And or some people can assume those offices that shouldn't be in those offices. And uh, they end up, you know, strutting around <laughs> with the label of authority without necessarily the punch of it. There's just so many, you know, anytime authority is involved, there's so many ways that spiritual authority can be used, misused, or misapplied. And so because of that, those two particular gifts often have a story with them. Somebody says, I knew someone who called themselves a prophet, and here's what they did to that church. Or I knew someone who called themselves an apostle, and here's what they ended up doing. And so there's a lot of harmful narratives that come out of those two gifts and their misuses, which makes people want to go into, I heard some people say, we have almost like a threefold ministry philosophy, evangelist, pastor, teacher, or someone just recently, uh, Dr. Carolyn Tennant said, we have a onefold, which means we call everybody pastor and everybody just leans into the pastoral gift and we're missing the other four. Um, again, what's at stake is if all, all five are not functioning, then the body of Christ really isn't equipped to do everything it's called to be, called to do and be. And that's, that's why I think this is an important conversation. Okay. So... Let's talk about the forbidden ones just for okay. a minute, because um, uh, I just want to I want to talk about why not you, forbidden by God, sure, but but I guess we would say the ones that have caution on the label. Yeah, and I also want to hear: Are there any other forbidden words or phrases that you were thinking about inserting into that? Like, what would be in that same paradigm of of grouping? No, I don't have. I think that was just a title for the book that sounded good. I didn't have any <laughs> phrases does, with it. It does sound good. <laughs> we'll have to think of some other forbidden words and phrases yeah. to add it into that. Okay, so let, let let's talk about those two for a second. So I think when we talk about the prophet, I think part of why that one, to me anyway, is such a controversial one is just because of even its attachment to um, the Holy Spirit, supernatural, charismatic movement. It's, you can't really be a prophet unless you are hearing words from God that are revealed to you by the Holy Spirit in, in a sort of way that up until the last 130 years wasn't really seen much, you know, sure. and then even in the last 100 years has been highly controversial because some people are saying it's made up, it's falsified. Well, and, and sure over the, the last couple of years with the election has really become absolutely uh, kind of controversial as well. Yep. So so let, let, let's talk about that. When we talk about 
there's, you know, we'll say two different kinds of words. There is the prophetic, which is used a lot more loosely, and it's probably a lot less controversial. Like the prophetic would still, if you're from a, from a movement of churches that doesn't believe in the move of the Holy Spirit at all in modern day, then okay, you throw that out too. But if you're like open to it and it's not an authority figure, the prophetic makes sense. Like pastors can be used prophetically, meaning they hear what God's saying and they can help to relate. Yeah. That. Okay. So the word prophecy is one of the most confusing words in the scripture. Great. And, and the reason why is because it has so many different eras and functions. So let's talk about eras. Old Testament prophets and New Testament prophets have different functions. Old Testament prophets were designed to prophesy to nations Mm. primarily and to call the nation of Israel or Judah back to God. And so their their call was a national prophetic pronouncements to bring people back to God. Old Testament prophets, if they prophesied wrongly, were to be killed because they were considered to be false prophets. That's a pretty pretty big deal. Now, yeah. here, there was a qualification. If you prophesied a curse on a nation and that nation repents, like for instance, you have the story of Jonah, who's a prophet, and um, he prophesies to Nineveh that judgment's coming, and then they repent. And when they repent, they turn back to God, and the judgment doesn't fall on Nineveh. Jonah didn't have to be killed over that, because part of the prophecy, part, part of the function of a prophet was to be giving warning to nations, right? And then if they repented and there was no need for judgment, it wasn't that their ministry was invalid. But if you prophesied blessing or victory and that didn't come, then you were considered a false prophet and you were to be stoned or put to death for that, which is a very serious consequence. Yeah. Okay. New Testament prophets are not prophesying primarily to nations. Mm. That's not to say that could never happen, but new, new step, new Testament prophets are designed to equip the body. Yeah to equip the local church and the prophetic uh, office functions to equip the local church to hear the now word of what God is saying to that local church so that we can operate according to what God is unveiling for us. Now, there is another function in New Testament with the prophetic, and that has to do with the gift of prophecy, Mm. which is what ordinary believers can do as the Holy Spirit comes on them to give a specific now word in the moment just to encourage, to strengthen, encourage, and comfort somebody else. Not everybody who's functioning in the gift of prophecy is a prophet. Yeah. There is a difference between the individual use of the prophetic burst of the Holy Spirit to encourage somebody and the office of the prophet who's speaking into a local church setting about what God is saying to them at that particular moment. Neither one of them is prophesying to nations primarily. Again, that's not to say God couldn't give someone who functions in the office of a prophet a word for a president or for a, a government of some kind, but their primary function is to equip the church not to speak to the nations, which is, I think, what went a little haywire in the 2020 and 2016 elections. Sure. Because all of a sudden, prophets who held that office started speaking to governmental structures yeah. rather than primarily to the, the church. And the primary function of the office of New Testament prophet is to prophesy to the church. Right. Okay. Okay. So all of that makes it confusing, let alone that every time a person prophesies, whether in the office of a prophet or in the gift of prophecy, whatever is said has to be tested and and pastored, meaning filtered through because it's possible for prophets and people used in the gift of prophecy to be wrong yeah. or to miss it. Right. And so we don't take it as 
Thus says the Lord, don't question it, or else then all kinds of craziness can come by uh, putting too much weight on any one person's ability to hear from God in that particular moment. I actually think what the prophets do to equip the church is not so much give words to us, but teach us to hear words because we all have the Holy Spirit living inside of us if we're followers of Jesus Christ. And a prophet should not just give us timely now words, but should teach us how to activate our own ability to hear God's voice and to walk in the revelation that the Holy Spirit births in our own heart. So when you're around someone who is a, a prophet, they should create a prof prophetic environment, which is pregnant with the potential of hearing God's voice in the moment that you're in. So prophets are not just to give the words, they're actually to teach us and, and activate us in hearing the, the, the words that God gives us. Okay, so talk to me about the difference then. I um, know now we're kind of in the whole prophecy sphere here and, and yeah. defining the differences. But so let's say uh, uh, you're normal person, average person. Maybe they're a pastor. Maybe they're a teacher. Maybe they're not even in, in ministry. They're they're you know a part of the body. But if they give a prophecy, but not necessarily in the office of a prophet, what would those differences like? What are some office of the prophet only kind of prophecy yeah. things? Does that so, make sense? The gift of prophecy is very narrow. Uh -huh. It is Holy Spirit-inspired encouragement. It, it is designed to be a Holy Spirit burst to give words that are very specifically limited to encouragement, strengthening, and comfort. So I might, I might sense the Holy Spirit saying, Dave, God wants me to say to you, I really feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me to say to you, don't give up. Like you're in a really tight spot right now and you're thinking like quitting. And I just feel the Holy Spirit say, don't, don't quit. Or, you know, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to remind you today, don't be weary in doing good because in due season, you're going to reap a harvest if you don't give up. I really think that's for you today. It's simple, Holy Spirit inspired encouragement that speaks directly to your spirit to give you the strength and comfort to go on. It isn't directional. It isn't forecasting. Okay, this is not where I say, thus says the Lord, you're getting ready to be moved into a new position, yeah. and God is going to open a door, and, and this is going to be a sign and a wonder to you. That isn't the gift of prophecy. What is that? That's the office of the prophet. Okay. Okay, the office of the prophet often provides directional, confirmational words about someone's life, their placement in ministry, a next step that they're supposed to take. And that is often not just given to individuals, but it's given to the church body. But it could also be correctional. It could be correctional, yeah. But the correctional aspect of leadership could be applied to any of the fivefold gifts. Sure. Right? It, it would be, it, that is an interpersonal thing. But yes, so, uh, you know, your grandpa, David Spencer, who is now with the Lord, was, in my opinion, an apostolic leader in Latin America who often functioned also in that gift of prophet. And he was at a church once in Texas and he was down front and praying for people. And a woman came up to him and God gave him a specific correctional word. He's the, the word was, uh, he said, I want to, I want to say this to you privately so no one else can hear, but God has told me that you're sleeping with your boss and you've been hiding this and you came up here for prayer because you have a need in your life. But God wants you to know that your life won't be where it needs to be until you come clean and deal with this. And she began to weep and she said, yeah, I'm actually the secretary 
in a district office and my superintendent and I have been having an affair and I've been wanting to get out of this. Thank you for saying this. Of a church. Yeah. So she was a secretary in a, in a church governance organization and she was sleeping with the head of the whole district. Yes. Wow. (laughs) So then he moved into, let me pastor this. So he said, look, I'm going to sit over here and I'll come back and we'll talk about the steps you're going to have to take to get this right. Okay. That's a, that's a Holy Spirit prophetic moment designed to bring correction and redemption in the situation. Yeah. And, and he walked her through it and they actually confronted the whole situation. And those that needed to be put in a restoration system were somebody had to step down from office. Wow. Like it was a whole thing, but it provided healing to a really bad situation. Yeah. That would not be an ordinary believer <laughs> coming up with a, a gift of prophecy. That That's, shouts out in the middle of a worship. No, service. no, 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 no. <laughs> this is, this is where the office of the prophet would function. Okay. But most often it isn't confrontative. Most often it's confirmational or directional. Okay. Like for instance, David Spencer, I'll go back to him. In my life, before we ever planted a church, um, about a year before, so we've now planted, we'll be in the process of planting our 32nd. Yeah. Back in 1995, before we ended up ever planted a church, he said, he called me up on the phone. He's in Latin America. He says, God's given me a word for you. Um, Isaiah 54 verses two and three, um, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch your tent curtains wide for you're going to spread out to the right and the left and your descendants are going to dispossess the nations. And, and so he then said, I believe that God is bringing you into a time in your ministry at Allison Park church, where you're going to expand beyond the walls of your church. And you're going to begin to go into desolate places and plant ministry there. So I started praying that word. Yeah given to me by a prophetic leader in my life, which then eventually led to more words that I got personally about how to, how and when to begin church planting. Yeah. So that's where office of prophet most mostly functions. It's a directional word. And I could give you story after story after story of how, especially when it came to unlocking the potential of kingdom impact, that some visionary things came to me through prophetic words from people coming from the outside, speaking into my life that uh, equipped me to lead Allison Park Church in the direction it needed to go. Got it. Okay. There's a lot of questions I want to ask because I think people would be curious about how you find yourself in any one of these five, but let's, let's, so let me just ask a few more questions. Yeah. So this is what I tell the ministry school students. So Allison Park Leadership Academy, um, by the way, it is a great nine month first year program and then a second year practicum that we offer. And I teach in that once a month, one week a month. And um, one of the things we talk about is this particular concept. And I always tell the students, God will not start you in your calling as an apostle or prophet. He will start you in one of the other three. You'll be a teacher, pastor, or evangelist when you begin your journey, because no one goes from 21-year-old Bible college graduate into the office of prophet and apostle. It just doesn't happen that way. You start out... In, because, in, because why? Because they're authoritative gifts. So before God gives you authority over a lot, you yeah. Well, if you're going to speak with authority to pastors, teachers, and evangelists, you first of all need to function under somebody before you can be speaking into somebody. Yeah. And so for me, I started out functioning as pastor. Often, pastor teacher comes together in a package. So I started as pastor teacher eventually I gradually moved into what I would call small a apostolic ministry. And I use the word small a because I'm not using the title for myself. 
okay? You can still call me Jeff or Pastor Jeff. It's totally cool because I am at the root a pastor. Um, but so if you're going to start, you're going to probably start in one of those. Uh, my good friend, Johannes Amritzer started out as an evangelist. Mm -hmm. I would say he moved into small a apostolic leader now too. So can I, can I pause but, you there? But I think we begin there. And if you're not, <laughs> if you're not a, a person who feels called to ministry, where you want to be in a vocational ministry setting, where you're going to be functioning in a leadership role in, in the church, the, there are flows of these gifts that every person gets into, but go ahead, ask the. No, uh, I, I, yeah. I know, I know I'm going to, I'm pinning you into a corner a little bit here, <laughs> but why are we talking about all the offices? Can, can we acknowledge anybody would be in a, so like Johannes, yeah. I, I, you don't have to say this about yourself. You can be a small <laughs> A apostolic pastor. Yeah. Well, I'm but, a small P pastor, small A apostle, right? <laughs> right, right. Is it not one of the original 12? You're not writing the New Testament scriptures. But can somebody operate as an as an uh, apostle in the office today? And actually, we'll get into that. We, I know we haven't even covered fully what an apostle is, but could you say, or like you talked about um, Bar Barnabas? Uh, yeah. Bar Bar so Barnabas, who is in Tanzania, yeah. is called, is actually his title is Archbishop. Okay. But Barnabas has uh, created a movement. I think they planted 10,000 churches in the last 10 years. Right. Okay. And he is setting in place leaders over i think 31 70 no that was 31 i think they just doubled 70 different districts wow. in tanzania so he's a mobilizer clearly a barnabas is an apostolic leader okay i mean it would but be crazy to think so is he an apostle as of new testament def defined apostle yeah as to to some you know absolutely the, he is okay yeah, absolutely is um we we don't use the term because even, so he's archbishop, that's what, what they call him, but technically he's the general superintendent, to use Assemblies of God terminology, of the Tanzania Assemblies of God. Okay. We say, who functions apostolically. Why, though? Because the term apostle has been abused and misused, and so we're afraid to use it. This is why it's a forbidden word and phrase, because so many other people have claimed apostleship for themselves or use their apostleship claims to dominate other people, mm -hmm. okay? And so therefore, I am cautious and say small a apostle because I, if I am going to function in a mobilizing capacity, I don't want to in any way lose humility in saying that because it's so heady. Sure. To, uh, the prophet has come to, the, here's yeah, our, sure, apostol sure. our apostolic father is in the house. Yeah. It, it has a way of inflating the ego of the person who functions in that. And then it, it creates this unhealthy reverence that I don't think is good. You know, Jesus, to balance this out, Jesus said, no one should call you teacher or father or even rabbi. Like, don't go around insisting on a title. I'm not sure that title, I'm not sure that when Jesus gave the gifts to the church, or Paul describes their function, he ever intended for them to be titles. In fact, maybe the problem is not that we call people, that we don't call people pastors, or excuse me, we don't call people apostles. Maybe the problem is that we call people pastor, mm. that we have to put their functional title ahead of their name. Maybe it would be better that I'd just be Jeff, and everybody knows Jeff functions as a pastor teacher, why is that title 
even reverend, I was like, I always felt like that well, was kind know, of a weird think, to be, because it means the one to be, I guess it's like a judge, your honor, yeah. or the pastor call him reverend, we revere you. Like, I don't know that I want to draw that to myself because there already is a tendency to put spiritual leaders on a pedestal. It's kind of like the shift that happened in my lifetime, where when I started out, pastors and leaders were always on the platform a couple of feet above the rest of the folks mm -hmm. sitting in the congregation. And at some point, we started sitting on the front row. And the purpose was for that was, we are all equal. I'm not above. Look, just because I'm an equipping gift doesn't make me better or above. Do, do, does that person functioning that way, are they worthy of respect and honor? Yes. But does it have to be titled? I'm not sure that that's really an essential part. Although we do call him the Apostle Paul. I mean, I, I think I think the, to counterbalance it, it is. I know we still need to get into the definition of apostle besides, you know, besides what we gave earlier, the, the brief version. But I do think if I'm talking about, you know, oughts, like not just here's, yeah. here's what we do because here's what we have to do practically and this makes sense for these if we're talking about just ideals odds principles it i would say like and I, not for me because i was like well it gets to me like i don't care call me dave like i, I don't you know but i think like it does make sense <laughs> in a certain way like if we're talking about showing honor and respect to i might not say apostle johannes does yeah. that make sense but to but to acknowledge and almost have a certain kind of honor for like wow this is a man of god who is leading us and who we can like i mean he's really johannes for example has challenged me deeply and invested into me spiritually and i think you know just as you would show any of the people like i you said i don't know if the apostles would think of these as titles but i do think that they would think that special honor should be shown to people like that so maybe the title isn't is an issue if it's like i am apostle jeff or whatever apostle johannes yeah but, but well, that's, it's just such it. a tough balance to strike. I think the the person who is is the gift to the church shouldn't be seeking their own honor. Yes, yes, to be acknowledged as the gift. Sure. But if the people who are around the gift want to show honor to the gift by saying that out loud, I think that's totally fine. Sure. It's when you put it on your business card. It's it's like when the person who is, isn't a Facebook page. Yeah. It's like I'm, you're not really mobilizing anybody or anything, but you put apostle on there. Like you're making claims about yourself Yeah. that other people, what does Proverbs say? Let another person praise you, not your own lips. Sure, sure, sure. So in fact, I actually think part of the abuse has come with the apostolic gift. So I think the apostolic gift carries the most authority with it. Sure. And because it is often a gift that places the other gifts in the church and mobilizes them and shifts them and moves them. And apostolic leaders are designed to, to, to break into territory. So they have a little bit of a hardened edge to what they do because they're designed to confront the powers of darkness and tear down strongholds and you know, break into the miraculous and to see the release of financial miracles. Okay, all of that comes with that apostolic function. Um, but I think, you know, when Jesus says, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you have to be the servant of all. I actually think if we're going to look at the way that the gifts operate, apostles should be at the bottom that is equipping a prophets and pastors and evangelists and teachers that is equipping the people of God so that the what does it say in in 1 Corinthians 12 the least 
likely member gets the most attention. Sure. And the gifts that already carry with them the most attention are the ones that we try to hide. Right. And so, so if my function as an apostle is to serve everybody else, then I function the way God's intended. Yeah. If my using the title of the apostle is to get everybody else to serve me, because that's where it comes. I'm the apostolic leader here. I'm going to tell you what to do. You're a part of my team. You don't go outside of this team. You do what I say. God's appointed me in this place. When it gets to be that way, it gets really ugly. Mm. And it tends to not do what what it's supposed to do. It isn't releasing anybody. It becomes like uh, everything is here to serve me rather than me in the gift that God has given me or made me to be to serve other people. So I do think we have to be very cautious about attributing the title because with it comes so much potential harm. However, what we've gone to is avoiding the use of it at all. Like we're almost afraid to say. Or, know, or we act like it doesn't exist. Yeah, we act like it, it doesn't exist. Which the, the you know, the homogenous nature, the sameness of all of that, I do think doesn't reflect what is found in the New Testament scripture, which is that there are different roles that have different gifts and uses. I, I think you were talking um, with Dr. Tennant, was her name? Yep. So we are we're getting ready very soon to have our conference, Ignite Conference at Allison Park Church. And uh, it's going to happen on Thursday, uh, January 26th. And we're going to address this very issue. Um, We're calling it uh, Ancient Methods Future Church. And we're going to have one of each of the fivefold as speakers at the conference. So Apostle, Prophet, Evangelist, Pastor, Teacher. And we're going to talk about how these... Small A Apostle and Small small, P Prophet, Small T Teacher. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And uh, Dr. Carolyn Tennant, who's written two great books on this. One's called Catch the Wind, which is the one I would recommend that you start with. Um, She... Uh, talks about these fivefold, and I forget what you were asking. Well, Dr. I was just going to say, I remember you mentioning, you thought one of the most pr- profound things in your conversation with her was about flows. Yeah. Okay. So she said, not so if your church, you can actually tell whether your church has all five of these functioning by what's missing in the environment. If your church is not growing in the knowledge of the word, it might be lacking a teaching gift. If it's not doing a very good job of caring for one another, then it probably is lacking in the pastoral gift. If it's not doing a very good job of winning people to Jesus, then it's probably lacking in the evangelist gift. If it isn't pregnant with the voice of the Lord and a now sense of what God is saying, it's probably lacking in the prophetic gift. And if it's not multiplying and planting new things and taking new territory, it's probably lacking in the apostolic gift. And each one of these, she says, is not just gifts, individuals who are gifts to the church, but there flows within the church, which means that every person in the body of Christ finds themselves in one of these flows or several of them, where you most, like when you are functioning in the flow of evangelism, where you then feel the most alive. Like, so she was talking about how welcome team members, if they understand that their flow is the gift of evangelism, then they stand to the front door looking for people that are lost to help introduce them to Christ by, by helping them you know, feel comfortable coming into the church. Whatever it is that you do should fit the flow of what God is currently doing in your life in terms of burden and motivation. Then that also means if your church is lacking that, if you're not winning people or taking territory, or you may need outside input from an apostolic leader a prophetic leader, an evangelist, a teacher, someone that is going to help come into your body to give the pieces that are missing 
from the emphasis. And no one leader is everything. Yeah. So, um, this although is, apostolic would be a little bit of each, right? Well, so I, my theory is, and I, I'm sure I'm not sure Dr. Tennant would agree with me on this one or not. Um, and it, it is this that my job as an apostolic leader is to equip the other four. So I have to have some proficiency in all of the four. I have to know what it is to flow in the prophetic and to operate like, to do the work of an evangelist, like Paul says to Timothy, and to function as a teacher. Not that, not that I'm, so my least effective of the five is the evangelistic. Mm. Okay, one of the things that has been great about bringing in Johannes into my environment, and he's been here to speak probably 60 times over the years. Yeah is every time he's in my house, he imparts that missing piece of what I don't don't sort of naturally have, right. which is that evangelistic punch. Right. And every time he comes in, he wins people to Jesus, and some, some, something is stirred up with that. But I do think that you have to have a little bit of proficiency so that I can coach you as a pastor or as a prophetic gift, because I understand the basics of how those flows operate. So... um. Yeah, I think I think the apostolic is one that is an equipper of the rest, but but whatever is missing from your local church, you need to you need to find someone you have an affinity with, and 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 let them help the church develop that until it comes out of your own house where you have all of those gifts that are functioning within you on a regular basis. So we we have these five different equipper gifts, and you could also call them maybe five offices in another sense, yeah, right? Five there are five roles, five. Yeah that God's given, and there are flows that somebody could operate in. And I've heard the question, you know, how do I know if I'm called into ministry where that's the main purpose of my life? Okay, we could make that bigger. Everybody is, right? Because the whole body is called to do the ministry of Jesus, the the work of the church, um, bring heaven down to earth now. But I think specifically we're talking about how do I know if if I'm called to step into an office of one of those five? So if you are this, you can't help being this. So... Other people will start to affirm it in your life. So when I was 17 years old and I was at Gateway High School, I led a small group, a life group with other students, and I was pastoring them at 17. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't start the group saying, I want to pastor young people because I feel called to be a pastor. I, wasn't even, I didn't even know I was going into the ministry at that point. I just had this impulse inside that I couldn't help, yeah. and that was to gather other people and help care for them and listen to them and encourage them, pray for them. And it happened. And then other people started to say, you're a pastor just like your dad. And I was like, no, I'm not. I'm my own person. But what they saw in me was that I was already functioning. So if you're a teacher, you'll be teaching. Yeah. If you're an evangelist, people will be getting saved around you. Yeah. If you're a prophet, you'll find yourself saying, hey, I think this is what God is saying in your life. If you're, if you're leaning into the apostolic, so maybe you're a pastor, and there's something inside of you that says... I think we're supposed to be more than just one church. I think we're supposed to have many campuses. I think we should be planting churches. I think we should do do more admissions. You probably have an apostolic impulse in you that still needs to grow uh, and develop. But you, you, if you are this, it is not something that you aspire to be. It is what Jesus makes you to be. Actually, the verses that proceed in Ephesians chapter 4 are, it uses almost like the spoil of a battle scene that Jesus came and he conquered the powers of darkness and, and he took captives in his train, it says, which means that you would take plunder from your enemy and those that you had 
you were capt were captivated or taken in in you know in the in the battle were led in a little parade behind all of the plunder and so we become a part of the parade yeah. of what Jesus has taken from the powers of darkness and we're led in procession to say to the to the the powers of evil in your face look at what i did i just redeemed these key people that i'm going to use in the kingdom this is jesus saying that. this is jesus right so jesus redeemed me he redeemed you and he brings us out of the darkness and leads us in a parade and then it says and he gave these as gifts yeah so we become gifts to the church and 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 that is you know what god has made us to be yes it isn't that we want to be this it just is this this is what we is well yeah yeah i mean i, I feel like i don't have a choice <laughs> yeah honestly yeah but but here's but here's the what revelation at, of that is what we often call the call and here's here's what i'm getting at though just because so you may be something or something may be implanted in you that hasn't fully come to fruition and bloomed and blossomed the way god wants it to yet so what i'm saying is if we have some closet pastors or some closet teachers that are like i don't know i think maybe i'm supposed to do this but i'm not so sure like and maybe what they need is like the little extra push off the edge of the branch with the nest on it do you know what i mean like get out of here like like what what is that i know we've done a whole episodes on the call yeah and we don't have to so spend... ask ask someone who you know is a gift ask a pastor teacher evangelist prophet apostle do you see this in me i think i'm this do you see this in me um, but then part of what I, I love to do, this is maybe this is part of what is the apostolic function. So, you know, okay. Many years ago, we, 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 we celebrate this guy at Allison Park Church because he had such a huge impact. Bruce Edwards, he died 10 years ago. He was a pastor on the staff at Allison Park Church. He was one of my best friends. He died in an unfortunate accident swimming. And, um, but before Bruce was pastor, Bruce. He was running a chocolate company. He and his brother, Jeff, were running Jeffrey Bum Chocolates. And so they had 300 employees and they were. And as as I got to know Bruce and he was in one of my small groups and I saw him begin to function, even in his company, I started saying to him, bro, you're a pastor. And he was like, no, I'm not. And I was like, yes, you are. And he goes, I would never want anyone to call me Pastor Bruce. And I was like, well, whether they call you it or not, you are a pastor. Everywhere you go, you care for people, you encourage people. Even the people in your company who work on your assembly line making chocolates, you walk down the line and they all see you as that person who's there to care for and encourage them. I said, I think eventually you need to join my staff because God just made you that. Yeah. And it took him years to be willing to acknowledge that he was that. And honestly, the funniest conversation was, he was like, if I, if I join the staff and become a part of the team and they call me Pastor Bruce, do I have to stop swearing? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, probably. <laughs> although, although you could go back to our episode on is swearing a sin and it'll give you more context for that. He did. He did for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> I stopped swearing, yeah, but then yeah. he also functioned as a pastor. And when he got, when he got released into the environment at Allison Park church as a pastoral gift, I mean, you could see at his memorial service, hundreds of people stood in line to pay tribute to him because he had been a pastoral force in their life. If Bruce had not, if he remained hidden and not really publicly released to bless the church. Just think about how many thousands of people would not have been touched yeah. by Bruce. Yep. That's what's at stake. So if God has made you to be one of these gifts, own it. Yeah. And and go to somebody and say, I think I'm this. 
Yeah. Do you see this in me? Um, and and there will always be evidence, even even in your infancy, even in your teen years, even in your brand new Christian days. If this is what you are, you can't help it. It yeah. will come out. In fact, I would say there were some people that I worked with several years ago who um, ended up coming to Christ out of drugs and alcohol, who um, started planting churches and things like that. And you could see their apostolic gifting or their pastoral gifting or their evangelistic giving even before they got saved. Yeah. You know, I, I think of Ed Funk, who's now an, uh, an evangelist missionary, um, and, and he goes back and forth to Africa. And Ed came into the Allison Park Leadership Academy. He had been one of the leading drug dealers. He was in, one of my classmates. Yeah, in, in eastern Pennsylvania, central Pennsylvania. He was taking territory for the devil. Yeah. And when he got saved, that gift on his life became a gift to the church. Mm-hmm. So some of this you can see even pre-conversion. There's some. There's a capacity God has put on some people to equip and mobilize others yeah. for the work of the kingdom. I have of one God. in my church right now. Her, her name is Miss Laura. She's my care coordinator now. Uh, I don't know how long ago it was that she got saved, but before I before I got there, and then as I was on as I was at Northside. I was like, she's calling people every week to pray for them and care for them. And she'll go up and hug people. And she's writing them cards. And I was like, you should join my team. And then most recently we were praying. And I was like, I think you have a pastor call in your life. She's like, I know. She was sort of like, I've been trying to avoid saying that for a while. <laughs> but I know God's been speaking to me. Yeah. I do think that when it's on you, you really can't help it. But you can't avoid it. Yeah. You can definitely hide from it a little bit. So this is my this is my challenge at the end of this. Somebody's probably listening to this like, like you know, you're you're cautious. You're on the edge. You know, you probably need to pursue this. It means a lot of change for your life. Yeah, which is what the Allison Park Leadership Academy is for. That's a lot of what we do. It's also a great thing would be to come to our Ignite Conference where we're going to activate a lot of these things. So my joy in life, more than anything else, is when I get to discover a Bruce. Yeah. And I have done this. I have said hundreds of times yeah. where I look at somebody and all of a sudden, and I think this is the small a apostolic in me, sure, right? Sure. Is to say, so I remember meeting Greta, uh, Greta, who is one of the worship leaders at Allison Park Church. We do a, a retreat called Breakthrough, and she was attending that as a junior in high school all by herself. And I was teaching. And after in the break, I went and said, why are you here by yourself? You're it's unusual for a, a high school girl to come to an event like this all by herself. Normally you come with some kind of friend or whatever. Right. We started to talk and I said, so what is it about you? What do you, what do you like to do? And she says, well, I sing a little bit. And if you've heard Greta, she's unbelievable. Incredible. Well, following that conversation, I started just working with her to try to get her involved. And gradually over time, I mean, she is a force as a worship leader. So it's like a talent agent almost in a way, like an apostolic leader is always like, look at where, where are the diamonds on the rough that God has planted in the house? Because every church, every local church has gifts planted in the house. And, Un, un, uncovering them and equipping them and, and releasing them is part of what makes the ministry so exciting. It's not just about preaching the next sermon or holding the next worship event or programming the next service. It's about equip, discovering, training, equipping, and releasing people to do what God's called them to do. And when people find that, yeah. it is unbelievably powerful. Or about out of time, but... If you were writing the conclusion to your book about what we ought to do now, as far as 
talking about the fivefold gifts and specifically in relation to the forbidden, the forbidden offices, what, what would you say as your closing thoughts? So if you're a, if you're a pastor of a church and you're listening to this, you need to make sure that you have some apostolic prophetic voices around your life. Big, big moments in my spiritual journey as a pastor happened because I had multiple prophetic and apostolic leaders speaking into my life and equipping me as a pastor to go to the next level. If you're a member in a church, I think the the thing that you want to be asking is, uh, who are the gifts in the house, my church that I'm a part of? Uh, and what is the what is the flow of these five? Where is my flow? Am I into taking new territory, hearing from God, winning new souls, helping to care for the body, or helping people to study and grow in their yeah, knowledge of yeah, the Word? Yeah, right. Where is your flow? And are you currently serving yep. in a position of ministry in your flow? And who is equipping you to do that better? Yeah. Because I think that makes it real practical as some next steps to take. Love it. Well, hopefully this was you know educational, and hopefully it was encouraging. If you're one of those people that needs to take the step whether I guess it's getting some of those voices around you or jumping more into the flow God's called you, or maybe even taking your very first steps into jumping into one of those offices, those giftings that God's mm -hmm. called you to do, which might be signing up for Alison Bark Leadership Academy. But if that's you, we, we hope this has encouraged you to follow God's call on your life. And as always, uh, one of the things that you can do to help is help spread the word by uh, liking and subscribing if you're on YouTube, sharing it on social media, giving us a five-star review helps us get the word out. And we we would so appreciate that. It means a yeah. lot. I know it takes a little bit of time, but it does help us reach more people. And, so, and one final thing I'll just mention. So this Allison Park Leadership Podcast is actually sponsored by the Allison Park Leadership Network. You can go there, allisonparkleadershipnetwork.com. And if you'd like to register for the upcoming Ignite Conference, you can do there. It's January 26th. It's all along the theme of what we talked about today. Absolutely. We'd love to see you there. And so, yeah, we hope you enjoyed this episode. As always, thanks for listening. We'll catch you guys next time.